This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, host, Jason Glick. How the hell are you? I'm doing good, John. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. Just surviving in the heat and stuff. It's summer, you know. Yeah, it's like we're riding in the heat of where we live as opposed to a Comic-Con. Yes. Comic-Con was much cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually it in, was. In, more, in both sense of the word, yes. Yeah, it's like we we had a good time there. It's like you've pro- yeah, I've already posted my thoughts on the on the convention. I mean, it was it was fine. I mean, but um, it's like I'm I'm slowly uh, like losing my like losing my uh, love for it. But at the same time, it's still entertaining in and of itself. But you know, it's like I'll probably keep going as long as I can keep getting um, press passes for it. Yeah. Anyway, but um, turns out that the um, the one of the things they announced the at the uh, Comic-Con each year is the Eisner Awards. And while there's always plenty of um, worthy, worthy winners each year, I guess um, tonight's topic is actually like more, rele- like more relevant than when I was originally planning to talk about it. Because while I got the uh, final volume of um, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' The Fade Out at the beginning of the year, it just got kept getting pressed back, pushed back for various reasons. Like I just kept finding something newer and shinier to talk about in the meantime. But hey, uh, turns out the Eisners uh, picked up a uh, an award for um best like for best limited series because it's a twelve issue run, three volumes, or one volume if you want to pick up the uh, deluxe edition that's coming out uh, later this year. And it's like hey, so I guess you know it's like even though it's like I didn't plan it this way, I guess it's kind of somewhat uh, timely and whatnot. Anyway, the fade out as I've mentioned from the uh, previous two, my reference to the previous two volumes is basically a. Uh, a noir set in the heyday of the of the um of the filmic version of the genre, um late like late nineteen late nineteen forties, um basically allows like um Brubaker and Phillips who've basically been um mining this like this genre, it's like for very various superhero related and like, and crime related um pro- projects over the years, most of them really great like like their um all time great work on on Sleeper. Excellent work on Criminal and Incognito, and the you know not quite as great, but still, but still all right work on on Fatal. Now, but um, you know after all these years and all those projects, you get the feeling that they finally figured that okay, they've they've accrued enough goodwill and a loyal enough audience to do this um do this project um set in the uh, like you know set in the late nine in set in the late 1940s, which would be otherwise be a commercial suicide for a uh, main, mainstream comics project. Anyway, the fade out is about a, uh, it's like, it's about a screenwriter by the name of Charlie Parrish, who, um, had who um, worked to great acclaim prior to, uh, prior to world war two, um, before getting, um, suckered into a, a multi-picture deal at this, um, small, the smaller, um, startup called victory pictures. Now, but then, um, after going to the war, um, Charlie comes back um, haunted and um, shell shocked by the entire, it's like by the entire experience. And as we find out um, early on in the first in the first issue, he's got a serious case of writer's block. That this this one this great guy who once um, got an Academy Award nomination only to lose to um, Orson Welles is now can't write anything at all. But he's got his um his good buddy um Gil Mason. Who um, it's like who was on um, blacklisted by the by the House Un-American Ad- Un-American Activities Committee. So, but but what they're what they didn't 
what um, what they didn't tell everyone is that um, Gil is that Charlie basically gave up Gil's name as a communist sympathizer. It's like in order so that he could be he could operate in the free and the clear while um, and basically um write and basically um have Gil do the writing and Charlie um like do the actual um like like you know people meet and greet work and just take the, take all the credit for it. Basically um save both their save both their careers or one of them one of them takes the hit for it. Now, say like they're currently now they're let's see their current project um is called Shadow of the Valley. It's like and it's and it's just it's just been dealt a major blow as Charlie finds out when he wakes up at the beginning of the first issue, in the sense that the their their starlet has been strangled to death. Charlie um suffering from from blackout drunkenness um does his best to clean up clean up the crime scene and um erase all traces traces of his presence from there and um it's like and then um when he gets back to work later that day, he f- finds out the uh that, that the the uh the murder has actually been ruled suicide and so now and while he knew the starlet um by the name of, of veronica lake um she's oh sorry sorry my bad um veronica lake is the uh person is the actress that um, Kim Basinger's character was based on in LA Confidential. I get this confused. Um, Valeria Summers is the murdered starlet in the fade out. And um, Charlie is, it's like he's all been out of sorts about it, but, um, but he's also um, not so completely out of it that he um, doesn't stop spilling all this, what happened to, to um, his buddy Gil. And um, Gil, well, Gil's kind of like the only, the, angry bitter type angry bitter drunken type that um that he that he wants to um get get in and um like and solve this you know as if as if this were, this were a movie that you know where like the two, the two get the two underdogs trying to uh take on the uh like the big um ho- big hollywood machine right there now the fade out traffic's in the, like the same kind of um uh, mytholo- demythologizing of hollywood that you know la confidential track trafficked in i mean there's all sorts of like um deb- like debauchery, drug use, casual casual racism, like um sex, rape, all, all sorts of um like seedy stuff that you expect um like from like from what was really going on in the era. And um Brew Baker and Phillips um mind this pretty pretty satisfying or well entertaining um extent as as they show um Charlie who is really who like who, even if he did have a writer's instincts at one point, is really not the kind of guy you want to uh, have like investigating a full-on murder right here. Now, the first two volumes, it's like were very entertaining, and basically, um, for me, it felt like a return to form for um Brubaker and Phillips after uh, Fatal kind of um uh, repeatedly missed the mark for me as well as their um it's like was their um their collaborative sweet spots go, but um but this one it's like a the, like the first two volumes basically um set up a great CD CD story with lots of it's like lot, lots of interesting twists like with um Charlie getting involved with the uh, with um Valeria's um replacement on um, my silver who's got a lot of skeletons in her closet as well it's like and also having to dodge um guys like Phil Brodsky the uh, thuggish um studio security chief whose job it is to keep um keep scandals from breaking out freaking out into the public eye like like when he has to deal with one of the uh like one of their um stars um clot um closeted homosexuality and how he just can't stop put sticking it to um one of the extras on the set and um that 
that kind of goes badly in the second, like into the second volume. Now, like after the like, now at the end of volume two, it's like I was all set to declare this is probably gonna be one of the best reads of the year. It's like with the follow up from volume three, and you know what? For the most part, it really kind of is. I mean, three kicks off with um a an even deeper and more incisive look at um at um, Gil and Charlie's relationship. Basically, you get to see why they're so um, stu- stuck on each other and also the lengths they go to in order to um, keep the other guy keep the other guy out of trouble and also just, you know, it's like the uncomfortable lengths that they're, um, like, that um, the Gil's uh, marriage is willing to accommodate um, Charlie's friendship. So, and then, um, it's like, then we also get um, interest, it's like, like, um, more, like, see more fun bits as we find out about the uh it's like as we see um gill and charlie try and um it's like try and like reason out just like what do we need to do in order to break the break this fucker wide open and whoops it's like turns out we need to go and um take out the uh it's like like one of the the, the senile head of um it's like a victory pictures um al cap and um whoops uh kind of goes really badly for for them it's like, and I mean, it's just like the, you just, the, uh, I guess, um, this series kind of drives home the whole, the whole, like, you know, like, um, amateur sleuth dumb bad, um, angle of the series. I mean, yeah, it's like, we're used to seeing like, you know, the, uh, like in these stories, like, like, the, it's like the, the good guys or the protagonists, you know, piece things together in a way the police couldn't, couldn't do. But in this, in the fade out, a lot of fun comes, or, Entertainment comes from seeing um, seeing Charlie and Gil just kind of like completely screw things up and wind up being completely out of their depth. Especially when you get to the uh, end of the of the eleventh issue, as um Char- as Gil and Charlie speed away from like from their bungled attempt to get um camp to ta- cop to everything, and um Charlie finds out that things have just gotten really really bad for them. In fact, um, the final issue for me. The best part of it is when um, it is in the early parts when um, when, when Charlie is all, is left to his own devices, and you feel that um, Brubaker is going to go full dark for for a moment. That he's not going to just that no. Not only is Charlie not going to um, fail to bring the killer to justice, he's going to lose his best friend. He's going to lose his job. It's like he's going to lose everything. I mean. If you've ever seen the original um, Korean version of Old Boy and how that film turned out turned out at the end, it's like, yeah, you get the film. That's where this film. That's where this. Um, <laughs> yeah, this not film comic is going with um, with Charlie and his. It's like in his um, complete complete utter utter fuck up of like of this whole situation. <sighs> Brubaker um, doesn't go there. In fact. I get the feeling he didn't go there because he figures it would be far crueler to have um, Charlie live with the knowledge of what actually happened um, than to than to just say you know kill him outright. So I mean, it's like, and then, um, but also through that, we get to find out the the whole story, basically how this how this one guy, this um, Drake Miller, um, figured into the figured into the story, and we get to like. Get, and we get to hear the, the whole thing explained to us, and you know, yeah, that's that's satisfying in itself. But at the same time, it's like I just, 
ah, that that moment in the series where I felt like this, things were just going to go completely terrible for Charlie. He was just going to not get anything. He's not going to get answers. He was just going to completely lose everything. Was going to be was like was more true to the spirit of the series so far. But you know, it's like I don't think the ending is a bad ending. It's just you know not the one that um, I felt you know made the most emotional truth for the series. But still, I mean, it's like like the series is like very like it's very well written. Lots of memorable characters. Like you know, not just um and um Gil and Charlie, but also you know like like um Drakeish um. Leading, leading man Earl Rath. It's like um, Phil Brodsky, who's also, even though he's essentially like you know an antagonist here, basically is is fun to see in the sense that he's just you know he's ruthlessly practical in his enforcement of studio studio morals. It's like, and um and Dottie Quinn, the PR girl, who you know kind of has a hot for Charlie, but you know like um also realizes that he's just kind of too ultimately uh, not not too quick on the uptake to um. To realize it, but it's, but um, there's a there's a lot of like I said, a lot of interesting characters. Story is very very well plotted out, and um, Sean Phillips' art, <laughs> well, geez, I mean, I've said it before on these podcasts and in on my reviews. I mean, the man can can really do no wrong in my book. I mean, his like his his shadow his shadowy art artwork is perfect for for like the noir stylings that he and that he and Brubaker engage in on a regular basis. And um, so he really brings this, this era to life from its, from all of its um, glitzy glory in the, it's like in, in the, um, taking the red carpet scenes and to the, um, like to this, like the really, to, to really nasty darkness when um, it's like when they're trying to um, break into camps, um, um, place at night. I mean, it's just fantastic work, like from, from beginning to end. It's like, I mean, it's like overall, it's like yeah, I really enjoy this, and I do, and yeah, um, any misgivings I have about the end, ending, it's like you know, it's like it's, I don't know, it's like I really say it's kind of kind of minor in the end to the point where yeah, um, I'd say that that if you haven't picked up um these three volumes that have been released so far, um, there's going to be a deluxe edition that collects the entire twelve issue series, um, released later this year, so hey, pick that up, it's like. And um, I definitely think, and overall, I do think it was worthy of, of the Eisner it got. But um, you know, it's like, but also, um, Brubaker and Phillips have a new series coming out later this year called "Kill or Be Killed," which is basically their look at um, vigilanteism. And as, and I'm assuming it's um, Brubaker's response to not getting to write, not getting to write the Punisher for an extended period while he was at Marvel. And I'm sure that's probably going to turn out pretty well um, now that he's basically. Um, they're both at image, able to do whatever the hell they want. So, so yeah, um, new series, looking forward to it. Um, current series, the fade out, um, worthy of your place in, in worthy of a place in your library, either in the three vo- three soft cover volumes that are out or the hardcover edition coming out later this year. John, um, any thoughts on your end? No thoughts on my end, Jason. But do you have an idea what you're going to talk about next time? Well, there's a little movie called Suicide Squad coming out um, a week from this Friday. So, so yeah, I think I, I think I've got an idea. Okay, Suicide Squad, it is. All right. Okay. Well, um, we'll catch you next time on Comic Picks by the Glick. All right. Later. Bye.